0: Hi, welcome back to another episode of the Mimosas with Moms podcast. I'm your host, Abby Williams. This week, I'm welcoming on Alex from our beautiful surprise. Alex is a mom of three boys, and she is so generous to be here and share with us her experience with infertility and loss. Alex shares her journey to motherhood, her experience with infertility and IVF, recurrent loss, and surrogacy. Alex normalizes the emotions and hardships of infertility and loss. She shares about pregnancy after loss and how it was a lot harder and different than she expected with so many conflicting emotions. I am always so appreciative of the women who share their experiences and are vulnerable to help others who are going through the same thing. So I just want to say a huge thank you to Alex again for joining. Um, I hope that you go give her a follow. You can find her over on Instagram at Our Beautiful Surprise. You can find her on Twitter, and you can find her on our website, ourbeautifulsurprise.com. I hope that you enjoy today's episode, and if you do, please be sure to leave a five-star rating and review. Your support here on the podcast always means the world to me, and I so appreciate you being here. So let's get started. Cheers! (music) Cheers! Hi, Alex. Welcome to the Mimosas with Moms podcast. I am so excited that you are joining me here today, and I want to thank you again for being so vulnerable and here to share your story.
1: Um, But first, tell my listeners a little bit about yourself. Well, thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. Um, So... As you said, my name's Alex, and I am a mom of three little boys. Um, my journey to motherhood, I know we'll talk about more, but it was not at all linear, straightforward. Mm-hmm. Um, I experienced IVF and pregnancy loss and surrogacy and a miracle pregnancy that I didn't expect. And just we kind of went in all different sorts of directions to get our kids. Um, but then since then, I've kind of sought out support a lot online and I've created my own page on Instagram and that's kind of where I get support, give support. Um, and I talk about everything from my journey to motherhood to being a mom (laughs) and everything that that entails and just everything. So I'm a total open book and I've always, I I like just talking about everything and sharing.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And spaces like yours on Instagram are so, so important. Um, I'll like speak from my own personal experience that I started my motherhood journey when I was 21. Mm -hmm. That was 12 years ago before there was even Instagram before there was Facebook mom groups before there was TikTok and all these places for moms to plug in. And just like watching all of these spaces evolve and grow. It is so so important. And I like look back at like my young mom self I just I feel sad for her because I wish she had those spaces to plug into, you know. Yeah, and so I'm just so appreciative for all the content creators, all the people that show up in these spaces, share their stories, be vulnerable, share resources because you have no idea how many people you are affecting and impacting helping along their journeys by sharing your story. So thank you for being in that space. Thank you um, Same to you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they are, they're so important. Um, so yeah, Alex, share, let's talk about your journey into motherhood.
1: Yeah, so um, I will do as condensed version <laughs> as I can. Um, but yeah, I um, I started, we decided, my husband and I are high school sweethearts. Yeah. Um, we've been together since high school. And so now like almost 17 years, which is just crazy. Like we're almost at half our lives together. <laughs> Um, but we, so when we had been together for about 10 years after we had been married for a few years, Mm -hmm. we decided at that point we were kind of ready to start trying to have children. To be honest, I think kind of like everyone else, um, we did not really think we were going to have a lot of issues. You always kind of go into it naively, I think. Um, nobody I knew of really in my family had had a lot of issues, especially our immediate family. So I just kind of thought it might take a couple months. I didn't think it would take that long. Um, pretty soon we figured out that that was not. True. Um, after like six months or so, a little less, we found out that IVF was going to be really our main option for kids. I think mm-hmm. I felt kind of grateful that we found out quickly um, yeah. that because a lot of people go through a lot more years before they find that out. Um, but so we did. So we were lucky we were able to just jump right into IVF. And um, I have to say we lived in a place where we had really good insurance and we lived in Massachusetts at the time. Uh, mm. Really good coverage. IVF was covered 100% for our first yeah. round. And that would have really impacted us if we hadn't had that coverage. So yeah. we were able to just jump into it. Um We got really, really lucky. We had our first son the first round. I got pregnant and yeah. we had him in January of 2017. Yeah. Um, And so we just got very lucky with him. I think we didn't even realize how lucky at the time. Um, And then pretty shortly after that, when he was about eight months old, we found a new fertility clinic because we had since moved. And we thought, okay, we're just going to jump into it because we know this can take a while. We know that we got lucky the first time. We don't know how long it's going to take. We didn't really know (laughs) how long it would really take. So we spent the next almost three years going through IVF cycles, having canceled cycles, having failed transfers, um, postponed cycles, just because my lining was really thin, just I was having a lot of issues. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when I would get pregnant, we, I would have like, my first was an early pregnancy loss. And then the second one was, it was still earlier, but like eight or nine weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was just all like, I could either not get pregnant or I couldn't stay pregnant. And we went through years of this and it's just, at a certain point, we were like, I cannot do this anymore. Yeah. And my fertility doctor suggested looking into surrogacy, which we were kind of surprised that we were at that point in our journey. Yeah. Um, but we took about six months to really think about it and tried one more cycle for me. And when that last cycle ended in a miscarriage, we were like, I just can't, I just could not deal with any more loss on my yeah. end. I just couldn't I couldn't keep doing it anymore. Yeah. And I think everybody has their own decisions on when that happens. But for me, that was really like I could not do it anymore. So We started the surrogacy process. Um, It can take a really long time to match with a surrogate, but we actually matched with ours in three weeks, which is incredibly, so we felt like it was really meant to be there because we matched so quickly with her. Um, And we started that journey. It probably took about six months between when we met her and when we actually were able to do a transfer just because of all the different things that are involved with surrogacy, legal, physical, mental, all these things. Um, but her first cycle failed, which we couldn't believe just because we thought that, I don't know, you just think things like that are guaranteed, which sounds so naive, but you just yeah. think it has to work yeah. for you, even though right. you know why not. Um, and then we had, um, she did our second cycle and it was literally the month that the pandemic started. And I had to beg our clinic to let her keep going with the cycle because they said that, she, you know, she was a third party, like, she, we could postpone hers. And I asked them if if I was the one getting pregnant, if they would be postponing my cycle. And they said, no. So I said, that's well,
0: that's not fair. Right.
1: So I said, yeah. if you wouldn't postpone it. If I was the one getting pregnant, you shouldn't postpone it just because I can't get pregnant. Like that's not fair. Yeah. And so we weren't new patients. She wasn't a new patient. We'd already done a cycle there with her so i kind of like was begging them but they understood where i was coming from thankfully and allowed her to continue and she got pregnant and we're so glad that happened because we had our second son um and he was actually born on my birthday um in 2020 so that was my 32nd birthday present with him it was perfect (laughs) (laughs) um and then so we just kind of had accepted that we were had two children we were happy we were done yeah Um, and when our second son was about four months old, so it was just about a year ago, a little less, um, I actually found out that I was pregnant naturally. And that was extremely shocking because I was always told that was not going to be possible for me. Yeah. Um, but And then I was really scared because the last couple of times I had been pregnant, I had lost the pregnancy. Right. So I immediately went to a fertility clinic that I trust and they were able to put me on hormones and monitor me for the first trimester. and like everything was all over the place. So luckily they were able to keep everything in check. Um, But we just had, I just had my third little boy in January. So I have three little boys and (laughs) I think that I never expected how we got here, but (laughs) I'm also very, very grateful for them. And I honestly can't believe we have three of them. Like I didn't think that we would have maybe more than one for a while. So I'm very grateful. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And congratulations on your newest baby. Um, So Alex kind of like, I'm going to, I guess, like go back to each little pocket of your story. (laughs) Um, So like kind of going back to like IVF and You guys had only been trying for not very long, you said. And then it was determined that IVF was the best route for you. Were you going to doctors during that time? How did you figure out so quickly?
1: Yeah. So I am not someone, I tend to be someone that I don't like just sitting around and waiting for things to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I like to kind of take action. And if I think something's wrong, I'm not afraid to like move doctors and change things. Yeah. I think that's something people have a really hard time with. I strongly always encourage people to move doctors if you don't feel like you're getting the right care, because it's not just always you, like they could yeah. be the problem. Yeah. Um, and so I was going to my normal OB and he just kept telling me after I stopped, I been on birth control for like 10 years, like so many of us were. Right. And I, I don't know, I was on it for way too long. And but like we didn't want to get pregnant for a long right. time. Right. And so, and then when I was ready, I went off birth control, but then I just didn't have any cycle. And I honestly didn't know enough about my own body or how it worked, but I knew that that just couldn't be right. And so, my doctor was like, Don't worry, you'll get pregnant, you're young, like you know, all the things that people hate to hear and i was like yeah i just feel like something's not right though and he just like would not take me seriously so i went to a new ob and she said yeah i think that maybe you should be getting a cycle so she she um recommended that i see an endocrinologist for thyroid and then i also just because she thought that was up a little bit um Mm -hmm. or had a little off and so basically she had me go to that doctor. She was seeing me. And then she said, okay, just in case, make a doctor's appointment for the fertility clinic. They're hard to get into just in case. Hopefully you don't need it. So I I was going to her in like December. The first opening was like two months later for the fertility clinic. So I was like, I'll just take it. And in the meantime, we'll try other things. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I found out that I had a thyroid issue. Um, so then we thought that would fix it. <laughs> Um, But then in February, I still was not getting consistent cycles. I had had like one in between there, but it just wasn't consistent and I just wanted to know what else was going on. So then we went to the fertility clinic and this is where I think sometimes things just do work out a little bit in terms of timing, like you get lucky because even though I didn't feel lucky for going to a fertility clinic, I was there and it was the second time in the last like seven months I'd gotten a period. and. It was day three of my period and he was like and i only remember that because he's like okay we have all these tests we have to run on day three of your period and i was like that's actually today yeah. and he was like oh, okay i was like please do the tests today i was like i do not know when i'm going to get another cycle right. and it might be months from now i was like please run the tests and so i feel like that's where i got very lucky that like I just happened to be there on the right day of my cycle, and I had no idea. Like we made that appointment months ago. Yeah. So um, he ran all the tests. He ran all the tests on my husband. He was able to actually do this thing called the HSG test, like where they—it's a dye test where they test your fallopian tubes. Yeah. Um, because I happened to be on the right day for that, um, and that's where they figured out that my left tube was completely blocked. They couldn't really figure out like. It seemed like I might have been born with it or something because I had never had any issues. Mm -hmm. Um, But they thought that was, they couldn't see into it at all. And then he was worried that because of that, the right one was compromised. But even if it wasn't, he thought, okay, for you to get pregnant, you're going to have to get pregnant only when you ovulate on one side. And I also wasn't ovulating. So he's like, that's not really going to happen. So that's why I think for him, he said, like, you could try IUI, the insemination, which a lot of people try first. Mm -hmm. But he said, it's not really better odds for you. It's pretty low just because if you're ovulating on the wrong side, we have to cancel the cycle and like all this stuff. And so that's why he recommended going to IVF. And I think because we had the coverage for it and because it's, the odds just were, he, he presented us with odds that were just significantly better, like 2% versus like 60% chance. It's like, why are, of course we're going to say yes to the one that's like a 60% yeah. chance. So then that's kind of how we started IDF because it was just kind of a bunch of different doctors and then everything kind of lined up and we felt like that was immediately the right decision for us.
0: Yeah, and it's amazing that you had coverage for IVF yeah. because I just feel like so many mamas that I talk to, you know, it's like a huge financial burden. Yeah, you know, to start their families
1: through yeah, IVF. It, you know, it's it's incredibly expensive, and yeah. I feel like it was a combination between. I think that the Massachusetts is more advanced in terms of that, like where Mm -hmm. they are with insurance, but also like we had coverage through my husband's school. And so it was a really, cause he was in business school at the time and they had a really strong insurance uh, plan. And so I think like, again, we just kind of, it got lucky that we had tried to, that we found out everything when we were there. I also strongly believe that the doctors that I was seeing there were more proactive to suggest IVF sooner because they knew we had coverage. Like I think, I don't know if this is true, but I feel like from my experience, that doctors like in California and other places that don't have any coverage, are much less likely to recommend things like that because they know how expensive it is. So they want to recommend like lower cost options first. Yeah. And I feel like that's why sometimes people get in this cycle of like years and years of trying before they even go towards IVF. I know that people don't want to do that for all sorts of reasons. Right. But I think costs is a big part of it. And yeah. so I think we got lucky that we were in a place that covered it because then also the doctors could recommend what they actually thought was do- like best for us, mm-hmm. like cost aside, because- we weren't paying for it. Like, we had it out of our insurance. And what's crazy, too, is that, like, we did that first cycle. We got our embryos. I was very lucky. I was able to produce enough eggs and embryos. I know a lot of people have a lot of hard time with that. My issue was on the other end, like, getting pregnant and staying pregnant. Yeah. Um, but I was lucky that we got pregnant that time. But then the embryos that we created um, after everything happened over the next couple of years, the our first two – So my son that was born in 2017 and my son that was born in 2020 were, like, the top two embryos from our first cycle, which I just think is crazy that that's how it ended up happening. Like, we used embryos from other things or other things ended up happening, but just that, like, I think about that all the time, (laughs) that they were, like, conceived the same day, kind of, but, like, not. (laughs) And then born almost four years apart. So it's just – crazy. <laughs> yeah.
0: So you were able to, I guess, like transfer those embryos to the, cause then you went
1: to a different clinic. Right. So we moved across the country. Right. Um, after when well, you moved, took like, those embryos with you. Yeah. So we, we moved while I was pregnant and then we, in 2018, when we started again at a new clinic, once we yeah. had found a clinic that we wanted to go to, yeah. um, we, you've like there's a bunch of like cryo banks and cryopreservation places, yeah. but they, you ship your frozen embryos across yeah. the country and it was terrifying. So I was like, please make it. um, But yeah, like we, cause it's, I think it's like in this it's little wild, cryo- isn't it? yeah, it's like in this cryogenically frozen container. Yeah. And, but like these, that's the other thing though. It's like, it's really expensive to ship them yeah. because of what I it bet. is. Yeah. Um, and, and also, you're going to pay the money because you spent a lot getting and just, physically emotionally financially to get those embryos so you're going to protect them yeah. but like it was very expensive to ship them across the country because someone has it's like a courier service it's like someone's with them the whole time <laughs> yeah you don't handler. Want to just like leave your embryos alone <laughs> and right. so yeah but like it is amazing science like what they have in terms of that because they do have these containers that can keep them like cryogenically frozen oh, crazy and, like, and And because then in uh, 2019, we actually ended up switching clinics at one point because we just didn't have a good experience with our first new one. Mm -hmm. And then we switched clinics. So I actually moved them again. But the second time I moved them, it was like five minutes apart from each other. And I, I got to pick up this big thing with the embryos in it and then like bring it to my next clinic. And I was like, yeah. oh, all well, my babies are in the car. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird. It is so silly, yeah, isn't it is though? Very it's like very
0: wild. Yeah. Um, so I guess like to wrap up like your IVF journey, um, mm-hmm. what were some of the emotions that you were going through while going through IVF and how – how do you feel like we could better support the moms who are going through IVF?
1: Yeah, I think that's a great question. I know like for me even the first round of it I felt kind of isolated um yeah. like even bef- like even when it was my first time ever doing it because mm-hmm. I didn't know anybody else that was going through it and yeah. like I didn't have like the Instagram support the that kind of support until like years later right. um until I was like really deep into it. But the I think that I felt isolated. I felt like I couldn't talk about it because I wanted to be private, but I also wanted to talk about it. So it was kind of like confusing. Yeah. Um, I think in terms of support, I feel like if you know someone that's going through it, like if they've shared that with you, I think that you know checking in with them, like understanding that they might not always have the energy to tell you everything they might not want to share every single day. Some days they want to share, some days they might not want to share. Um, But even just like checking in, I think the most common thing people like is a text message. Um, I've done polls about this and I just feel like not everyone wants to talk on the phone. Not everyone wants to talk in person. And I think that like texting is really important um, just because you can just check in with them, let them know you're there for them. And then if they want to respond, they can. Other things I know people really like are, you know, if things are taking a while and people are going through like really big cycles. like even just any cycle, like even just sending them like a gift card for food or like a target gift card so they can treat themselves or Amazon or whatever. I think people really, that can mean a lot to people. Um, And even just like, also, I think that it really bothered me, like if people didn't know for sure that I was going through it and they thought maybe something was happening, that people were like, oh, I think she's pregnant or I think this. It's like just maybe don't like talk about people like that because you really don't know what's going on with them. And maybe if they stop drinking, they're not pregnant. They're just trying to get pregnant. Like, I don't know stuff like that, where I think people, if you're in an environment where you're used to like socializing with people, if they do something different, all of a sudden people have all their eyes on them and maybe like, they're not telling you for a reason. Um, but I think that also you shouldn't expect that it's your business unless they want to share with you. Um, And, and yeah, just like being open to letting them share when they want to, and not when they don't want to. And, um, just understanding that like, if someone's going through IVF, it's not guaranteed, like a lot of people think it is, but just understanding that if someone's going through it, they, there, there's a possibility they'll be pregnant. There's a possibility they won't. And so just kind of waiting for them to share their news and seek out support when they do, because I think that there can be all this pressure when people decide to share And Mm -hmm. then they're afraid that like they're going to let everyone else down when they have bad news or they're like pressured to tell more than they want to tell. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think just kind of letting them guide and just checking in on them and making sure they know that you're there just in case is probably the most helpful thing.
0: Yeah, I love the text message suggestion because I do. I feel like it takes the pressure off and – Yeah. If you don't have the space to respond today, you can respond to it
1: in a week. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The time it's on your timeline then, which is nice. And I think the pressure's off. And then if there's like in-person things, I think understanding like maybe they just don't feel up to coming today and like, it's not about you and it's not personal. Like I think people feel like that regardless of what they're going through. Sometimes they just don't want to go. <laughs> but yeah,
0: and yeah. the last just, two years have like yeah, exactly. of us, right?
1: definitely <laughs> heightened over the last two years for sure. I know, yeah,
0: I know. Um. And while you were going through your IVF journey, you experienced losses mm-hmm. and you talked about how there was multiple losses. And at some point you were just like, I can't go through this anymore.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, were you leaning into people during these losses? Were you telling people how did you navigate that? What were you feeling during those times?
1: Yeah. So I, um, when we were first experiencing them, it was like, I feel like when I had the first miscarriage, I was completely blindsided because like I knew that it could happen, but we had a tested embryo. It was IVF. Like we had gone through all this stuff just to try to get pregnant. I thought like, I don't know. I knew it could happen. I just thought I cannot believe this is actually happening to me. Right. Um. And I think that I just felt, for me, I definitely just felt really numb. Like I just felt kind of nothing and i didn't really want to talk to anybody and i really didn't want to be around anybody and i felt really bad cuz i already had a son so i was like okay i'm doing my best just to try to be there for him and i'm having mm-hmm. a hard time doing that mm-hmm. i felt bad too cuz it's like my husband's trying to support me and i'm trying to support him but i i can barely support myself like mentally and so then i felt like i couldn't be there for him either and i couldn't mm-hmm. be there for my son and i know that i don't think that that's actually how they felt but that's how i felt mm-hmm. and i think for me like When I was first going through it, we were still desperately trying for a second child. So as I had each loss or different things, I didn't really want to feel it in that moment. I just kind of Mm -hmm. wanted to push forward and do another cycle and go to a different doctor and just keep trying. I was just completely obsessed with having a second child. Like I was like, we're Mm -hmm. making this happen. We have to keep going. I I did not want to stop. And I think that kind of caught up with me. after we had our second child. Even though it was through surrogacy, I ended up having a lot of anxiety that I wasn't really expecting. Yeah. And I think that, like, I actually at that point then finally started talking to a therapist. And then at that point, I was like, oh, wow. Cause it was like, of course, I probably knew it, but it was like mind opening. Cause she was like, yeah, you've never actually dealt with any of your losses. Like, you've never actually just lives in you. Yeah. She's like, also, you didn't get to carry your second child. You never dealt with like the fact that that was like hard. And that's that was probably a, grieving of an experience. Yeah. 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 And it's like I had carried my first, so I knew what it was like. And of course, like in hindsight, I don't change anything because we wouldn't have him otherwise Mm -hmm. without surrogacy. But like, I also do of course wish that I had been able to carry him myself. And there's like so many things you miss out on in that, even though I don't, the thing is, I don't think that obviously pregnancy is the thing that makes someone a mom. It's not the thing that makes someone anything, but I think that there are certain things day to day, like, oh, you're at a park and no one knows you're expecting because you are not pregnant. Or like, you know, there's just certain things like when I was pregnant with my first, people ask you questions in public and it's like, oh, so beautiful and so fun. But then when you're expecting a child, and you're not pregnant, it's like no one knows unless I (laughs) told them. And then I didn't always want to tell them. I didn't want to have like 30 questions about what is surrogacy and what it is like. And (laughs) oh, she's so brave. And I can't, you know, all these things. And I'm like, okay. So yeah, it's definitely like a completely different experience to go through that. But I think in terms of like the loss, I would, it's so hard. It's so much easier said than done, but I would highly suggest that anyone that's going through any sort of loss, whether it's grieving or pregnancy, grieving like the ability to get pregnant or stay pregnant, anything like that, it's just like talk to someone, like talk to a therapist, find a good friend to talk to, even if it's a single person, even if it's like a stranger on the internet, not total stranger, but like, even if it's like <laughs> yeah. someone that you follow that you really like that's, because I've made a lot of friends online that I still right. haven't met in person. Yeah. And I think that One day I hope to meet them, but I think that you can find really good friends there and that can almost be like a safer space because it's someone that they only know you through that, like it's only something like that. But really whatever it is, I think that finding some way to connect with someone else and just get validation of your feelings Mm -hmm. and just feel like it's okay to feel upset. You don't have to sugarcoat everything. Like there doesn't have to be like, yes, you can find, you can heal and you can find beauty and things, but sometimes it's just hard and it's, you're just sad and yeah. you don't want someone telling you to just be happy, you know, right. Right. So I think finding someone to support you through that and just listen to you is very important because you, like just ignoring it, it will eventually catch up with you. It you know? does.
0: Grief just like sits in your body yeah. and it comes out it in comes ugly out in ways, ways. So if, you, yeah. if you don't deal with it. I have like navigated grief while mothering too and it's really really hard in a different way but um, yeah yeah and i like the you kind of normalized that you already had a son and now you're grieving it's like trying to show up for your child and how hard that is while you're going through your own hard stuff you know because don't feel shame around that you know Mm -hmm. it's really really hard mothering and grieving and experiencing Mm -hmm. a loss like you were, you know, those are really, really hard
1: things. And yeah. Yeah. I think also like, I think that everyone just has to figure out, like, if you are someone who is already a parent and whether you're dealing with secondary infertility or really honestly any sort mm-hmm. of loss, like, yeah. if you're dealing with pregnancy loss or like loss of a family member or a right. friend or anything, no matter how you're grieving or even right. grieving something else, right. I feel like or even like a relationship that you're grieving that you've not, you know, that you're not with anymore. Like, I think that dealing with any sort of loss and grief while you're also parenting is extremely hard difficult. Hard. Yeah. But also I think you just need to figure out kind of what works for you. Like for us, he was Mm -hmm. really little. He was only like, you know, one and a half when we started, but he was like through this process, he was so small. And I did not want him to feel the burden of like making me feel better or cheering me up or anything else because I do not think that's his job. And so I wanted him to be able to just enjoy being a kid and not feel that pressure of that loss or that grief. And so I really did not like explain to him what was going on because he was so little. I just did right. not feel right. I didn't, but I know some people, they do like including their child and everything. And and that's totally okay too. I think it's just like, for me, we did what was best. Like my husband and I talked a lot, like we did what was best for us and what we felt was right. Yeah. And I wouldn't do it differently yeah. than how I did it. And, but I also think that if that's not what feels comfortable for you, I think it's just like such a personal decision of how to handle that that when you're parenting and there's grief and loss. And I just think it's totally personal. Um, And it's all hard. (laughs) And so it's like, no matter how you do it and how it works for your family, like, I don't think you should second guess yourself. I think you should just figure out what works best for your family because it might be different, but it's just what works for you too.
0: Yeah. So I also want to say, Alex, I admire you for once you kind of, you went through multiple losses and you got to a place of, I can't go through this anymore. I need to make a change and explore another option. Yeah, Because I think, you know, whether we're talking about, you know, this situation or any situation, you know, when something isn't working for you, making changes is so important and so hard to do. Yeah. So I'm sure that making that choice and getting to that place was really hard. Um can you talk about kind of Getting to that place and what it was like then going on the surrogacy journey. Um, you already kind of touched on, yeah. you know, how different <laughs> that was, right? But, yeah,
1: yeah. I think, um, like you said, I think that a lot of people going through infertility, but really in a lot of different stages of life, yeah. I think you just reach a certain point where, sometimes you just have to move forward and you just can't keep doing the same thing over and over again. Um, I think you know that in a different way, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's just, I know like personally for us, like we, like my husband and I both have like always been like strong communicators. Like it's always important to us to talk through things together and feel like we're on the same page, but also being supportive of each other. And yeah. so we, we very much talked to each other about what what we wanted to do. And I think at a certain point, like I, so when we had, when my doctor first suggested surrogacy, he said, okay, we, ch- we can try with your body one more time. We're mm-hmm. going to give it a little bit of a break. Like I had to take this medication for like six months. So he was like, okay, we're going to take a six month break, which by the way, feels like eternity, eternity when you're going through. Yeah, 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 <laughs> but like, right. He's like, we're going to take a six-month break and then we're going to try one more time. But if it doesn't work or I don't feel comfortable doing the transfer, then I really highly suggest surrogacy. So that was kind of the first time we'd really considered it. So at that yeah. point, just because of how both my husband and I both work, like that's when we kind of, the research side of a sudden, like we need to figure out like, you know, who's
0: going to be our research. Yeah.
1: We're like, okay, we need to figure out like what agency we might want to work with. Like we wanted to be completely prepared. Like we had a six month break. So we're like, I want to do research during that time. I want to meet with agencies. I want to do all this stuff so that if it doesn't work, then we have a plan, another plan. And Mm -hmm. I think that if you're someone that's been going through infertility for a while and had any hiccups or really also like obviously in different areas of life, I think that some people, when we're saying, okay, we're going to do another transfer, but we have to have another backup plan, that can sound kind of pessimistic to people. But for us, it was just realistic. Like we just knew that it might not work because it hasn't been working. And we needed to have another plan right away so that we didn't have to spend more time thinking about the plan when we were also maybe grieving again. And so I think that's where, like, also it kind of gave me something to do. Like I was so anxious about the waiting for another six months. I did not want to have a break. I did not want to wait six months. So I was like, okay, this is like a project. I'll figure out who our service agency would be. And so then during that time we met with like a, we talked with a few agencies, we got recommendations. Um, We did kind of our own research. We did all this stuff. And we ended up finding an agency that we felt comfortable with. We met with them. It's like, even that part's kind of a long process. The first meeting you have with them is like two hours long. And I don't know if that's like that for every agency, but they want to make sure you understand the whole process. Yeah. But even then after that, I had so many more questions because <laughs> it was all new. Um, and then you fill out the super long profile and then you do all these things. And then so when we when we had the last loss we were all set up for the agency just in case. Um, But to sign up with an agency, there's a a down payment. So we were like, we're not going to sign up with them unless we know we're going to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we were kind of waiting to pull the plug on that and hoping we didn't have to. Um, But then when I had another miscarriage, this time it was what's called like a missed miscarriage. So they think everything's going well and then all of a sudden it's not. Mm -hmm. And so that was like Again, blindsiding because I had heard of it, but I didn't, you know, hadn't experienced it. Um, And so then at that point, we were like, okay, we need time to grieve. But we also, during the time we're grieving, kind of in our minds, we're like, okay, I'm going to sign up for the agency because we know that's our next step. Right. Take a couple months or more to match, but we'll at least be signed up and on the list. And then in the meantime, we can kind of start to grieve and process. Like I was still physically recovering. not even close to recovered physically. And then also emotionally, obviously. And so, but that's where like when we matched in three weeks, we were kind of like, ah, like (laughs) I wasn't really ready yet. Um, Like I was, but I was like, um, I was thought we'd had like a couple months to think about it. Um, And we'd been thinking about it for like six months, but we're like, I think we have, this is kind of faster than we expected it to go. But then at the same time, we're like, but this has to be right then. Like we just, we want to at least explore it. Like we want to meet with her. We want to figure out like if this feels right. Um, And so we ended up meeting with who ended up becoming our surrogate and her husband. And so that's nice. You're getting to know their family a little bit. Like that's another really long, like two hour meeting. We got to know them. And I think um, my surrogate's name is Madison. She's very public with it. Like we've talked about it, but like, so Madison and I both said, like, we, immediately we're like, yep, I really like that person. (laughs) Yeah. We, like, immediately all felt comfortable with each other, which I think is kind of rare in general. Like, with people, like, you don't always feel immediately comfortable with people. Um, But especially with something that's just so, like, personal and unique. So intimate, yeah. Intimate, yeah. Yeah. And so I think – and, I mean, it wasn't, like, an immediate thing where we had both already seen each other's profiles. We had both already thought about it a lot. So we did have something going into the meeting. Um, But it was just the feeling that we got from each other and like talking to each other and it just felt right. And so, yeah, we were able to just kind of start that. And then I guess it was six or seven months later, she finally did the cycle that was our son. So, but then because of the pandemic, um, I wasn't allowed to go to any of the, like the transfer. We weren't allowed to go to any of the appointments. Um, so sometimes I would just meet her outside of the doctor's appointment just to say hi because I couldn't I'm see her. Like, at
0: all. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> uh, we waved to the bump.
1: Yeah, I was like, hi. <laughs> like, like, say I hi know. to him for me. Was um, that
0: like kind of even more challenging? You know, because I'm sure like surrogacy is challenging in a non-pandemic world. You yeah. know, and you know so beautiful so grateful for all these targets yeah. out in the world right um but you know like you kind of talked about if I'm at the park nobody knows what I'm expecting you yeah. know and you know and you we kind of normalized the mothers become mothers in lots of different ways you don't have yeah. to carry your children to be a mother but you know that it is kind of a loss of an experience and those yeah. feelings are normal and valid um but then, you know, going through it in a pandemic, I'm sure added yeah. an extra level of like grieving the loss of an experience. Cause you're yeah. not going to the appointments. Exactly. You know, does that kind of take away from
1: the bond of the experience almost? Yeah. I mean, honestly, for me, um, I felt so attached to our son. Did like you, yeah, yeah. Because I wanted, I don't know if this isn't to say that you can't feel attached without wanting. Like I wanted him so badly for so yeah. long
0: yeah. that I
1: felt like I was just so attached to him. Mm. Um, I think that everybody has kind of different experiences with that. Yeah. And I also totally think it's okay if you don't feel attached or yeah. bonded until the baby's there. Because I think even you can be pregnant and still don't feel attached. Yes, a lot
0: of women until, that. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. And
1: I feel like you can have a hard time feeling attached. Like actually, and we'll get to that, but I had a hard time – like really allowing myself to get attached to our third son just because I was so terrified that something was gonna happen. And yeah. so And I think that's with, so normal. Yeah. And and yeah. I feel like with with our second son like that was born via surrogacy, I felt like I really just felt like he was in a really safe place. Like I knew I trusted yeah. her body. I felt like he was in the best place he could possibly be in to grow like big and strong before he was born. And mm-hmm. so I think in terms of that I felt like I was totally comfortable feeling attached to him. And I felt very attached and I would kind of like talk to him out loud, even though he couldn't hear me um, <laughs> because I just, and and also like she, once we decided on a name, like we're people that don't share the name until the child's born. But like, we obviously shared it with our surrogate because then she was able to talk to him using his name. Yeah. And so like stuff like that, just, I felt like added to it. Also, I feel really grateful. Cause like, even though there were, it's just hard, like there's certain things, you know, miscommunication between me and her, or me and the agency or us three or different things that just happen that you kind of have to figure out, which is so weird because you're just dealing with a bunch of more people than you would normally yeah. deal with. Yeah. Um, but me and her got the be- our relationship was really good and we were able to communicate and talk to each other frequently. And so I feel like that helped a lot because I could just directly mess, you know, send her a text message or ask her what was going on. She also had said that she felt more comfortable because she knew that I had been pregnant before. Mm-hmm. So she knew like I could totally understand like if she couldn't respond because she was feeling really sick or like yeah. I didn't have these unrealistic expectations that she would eat like lettuce every day. You know, like, I don't know. She's <laughs> like, you know, I, you, you I'm going to eat my cheeseburger sometimes. Like, right. That's okay, like right. I live on peanut butter sandwiches <laughs> with my first son like all the time. So I was right. like, she... I think she, that level of kind of understanding was kind of unique also because not everybody has that when they go through surrogacy. Um, But also it was just like, for me, I think that I know people who go through it and they have to go through multiple surrogates or like they have multiple losses with even surrogacy. Like Even surrogacy is not guaranteed. So I think for me, like the fact that she, it happened within the second transfer and that even with the pandemic, she was allowed to continue and that she was still pregnant I think that you just get into this mindset when you're going through it as like the intended parent, which was me and my husband. I think you get into this mindset where you're just like, there are other things going on and you have other things to process maybe after the baby's born. But right. during it, you're just like, okay, he's healthy. He's finally on the way. She's yeah. doing well. The doctors are doing well. They're watching her. It's like, there's, there's just like certain things you kind of have to focus on because you just you like just want the baby in your arms. So you're like, okay, I'm just gonna focus on everything to get him here so that we can take him home and then I'm not gonna share him with anybody. So right. well, <laughs> I'm like, I feel like actually because of the pandemic, nobody else was allowed to be at the hospital waiting for us. Like we didn't actually have anyone come to our house for a while. And it was actually kind of nice. Like I, I like that too. I had a yeah, twenty twenty baby. Yeah, like yeah. I was. I mean, I know people like to be involved, and I know yeah. that they felt like they missed out on things. But selfishly, after waiting for him for so long, and not even that, just after everything, like we just wanted him with us and we wanted like our family of four to be able to just spend time just like together a little love bubble and and yeah we just so had our little bubble for a while and like it. our older son was 4 when he was born he was almost yeah. 4 and he was we had pulled him he was not in school that year because of the pandemic yeah. and so we really just had each other for a while and i yeah. think that, that was special and nice and yeah, I liked that it ended up being like that because, like, when I had my first son, there were so many people around all the time, and I felt like it was extremely overwhelming. It, so it is, and I like having an excuse not to have everybody over all the time. Yeah, but it's nice to have the help, but like yeah. in smaller groups um, at first. I so, so agree. Yeah, I agree. Well, yeah. you know, like you're just recovering
0: and you're bonding with this baby, yeah. and. It's just a lot. You just feel like you have to be on when you have guests yeah, in your home. You exactly. know what I mean? Like, well, I
1: didn't really want anybody else sometimes to Sometimes you just like hang out. Especially because I hadn't been pregnant with him. Like when he was born, we wanted to hold him. Like we wanted to have him in arms and like we wanted our son to be able to like get the focus with like our older son to be able to like bond with him more and just be like together. And so like – and also we did absolutely did not want to do anything that would put either of them at like a health risk, mm-hmm. especially for what we had gone through, but like it was still, you know, no one was vaccinated at that point. Like there was still a height of things and like, yeah. we just, were are not going to take any risks and we didn't feel bad about it either. So um, yeah. I know a lot of people have a hard time like saying no to that kind of stuff and feeling like they're letting people down. I I'm not a people pleaser by nature, so I don't feel bad about it. That's good, Alex. That's but a good quality. <laughs> I mean, I like other people to be happy. I just yeah. don't feel like it's always necessarily at my expense or my family's expense. Yeah, will, no, so. it should be like that, you
0: know? Yeah. Like you're the mom and this is yeah. your turn to do yeah. what's best for your family, right? Um, yeah. Were you able to be at the birth? since it was during the pandemic. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So luckily, um, so we weren't able to be at any of the appointments, um, but luckily it was like a hospital that had experienced surrogacy pregnancies and stuff before. So they were a little more familiar with it. So they were super wonderful. Like we talked to a nurse that was there. It also helps my brother-in-law's pediatrician and he rounds at that hospital. So like he knew who to put us in touch with too. Um, And they knew him and because he's my, on my husband's side, like same last name. So they saw our last name and they're like, Oh, so I think that helped. But in general, they were just like surrogacy friendly. And so they, so so I was in the room with my surrogate while she was, so she was induced um, just because she had been before. And honestly that made it a lot more calm because then we were (laughs) able to just show up to the hospital and we knew it was going to happen and all that. And so she was induced. Um, her husband was in the room with us, and I was in the room. And so the three of us were in the room the whole t- the whole day. And then my husband, they were they allowed him to be in the waiting room, which nobody had used the waiting room in a while. Yeah. But, um. So that when and one, I think for him, like he wanted to be. He didn't want to make her feel uncomfortable because you're very like exposed physically during birth,
0: mm-hmm. and so
1: I think he didn't want to make her feel uncomfortable with all the checks and all the different things that he was in the room. But also, yeah. they just didn't allow more than two people in the room with her for the whole day. Um, but so, I was in the room with her, and it was nice just because I got to hear like full-time, like real-time checkups on how things were going. And I was able to like text my husband and keep him in the loop. And then when it got close to the birth and she was like, the doctor was coming over, then they had my husband come into the room so that we would be able to like actually witness the birth together and hold him for the first time right away. But like, these are all things that we had talked about before. Like, where do you want us to stand? Like, we're going to stand kind of behind you so that you don't feel exposed, so that you feel like comfortable. And like, you know, just all this stuff is things that like, you don't really think about unless you're going through something like that, but we just wanted her to feel comfortable. And so then, and we had decided, they asked us, they moved us into our own room shortly after he was born, which was really nice because it gave her a chance to start to recover, us a chance to bond on our own. Um, But then they asked us like, do you want to be moved to that room like the second that he's born? Do you want to just go right away? And we said, no, like she's just giving birth to him. We're in this together. Um yeah. we want her to be able to see him for a little bit right after he's born too. We yeah. want like she wanted to hold him, um, which obviously we were like comfortable with, but she was also understanding that we wanted to hold him first because he's yeah. our son. And yeah. so I think that there was just like this very large amount of mutual respect in terms of like understanding what we all wanted.
0: Yeah. And do you and think then- it's like this in most surrogacy journeys?
1: What do you, do you think, think, it's like think? It's like this. Thing is, like, I don't actually. That you guys are like so, I like, have, in it together and respectful. I have no idea. Like, I yeah. feel like no. I feel like from when we, because we also saw profiles of a few other surrogates like before we met with ours, mm-hmm. and there are surrogates and intended parents that do prefer it to be not so like they don't want a relationship together. Like they would prefer to just have. Like the surrogate doesn't want a relationship with the parents, the parents don't want a relationship, and those people match well together because they both don't want that. But yeah. like for us, we both did want that. And so I yeah. think that's something like that the agency definitely flags for people because they want you to make sure like you're on the same page with this.
0: Yeah. Because
1: like if we had matched with someone that didn't want a relationship, it would have been a lot harder during the pandemic because I don't know how right. I would have <laughs> communicated with them. So <laughs> And I would have felt like everything had to go through the agency and that would have been much more stressful. So I think Does it normally go through the agency or- So usually there's a a coordinator that works both mainly with the surrogate, but also with us. And she coordinates between the two Mm -hmm. parties. And I think that some people prefer to keep all communication with that person. Like I think not everybody is texting their surrogate every day. But for us, like that worked. And there were even things like- the agency would say, Oh, did you schedule like your weekly call check in with her? And I was like, I mean, I don't really need a weekly call check in. We talk all the time. But like, I don't <laughs> think everybody was like that. And so yeah. I think that they encourage, you know, a weekly or bi weekly call because yeah. not everybody talks to them each other regularly, you know, right. whereas we were texting. On a very regular basis, but we also both were the type of people that preferred to text versus call with all the check-ins. Because yeah. she's like, I have two other kids. I ha-, like, I have a son, yeah. and she Life also was busy. Um, <laughs> and her husband's in the Marines, and he was actually deployed the entire time she was pregnant with our son. So she was totally like, you know, at home. Super mom over girls, there. So, like, like what you in the do world? what you need to do. Yeah. Uh, and so she had so much going on personally that, you know, we just wanted to make sure that she was as comfortable and felt like supported and stuff throughout it. But I, I think that I don't really know how it goes for everybody. I think that for us, it ended up going like as smoothly as it could have, like with the pandemic going on and everything. Yeah. Um, but then it was like once he was born and after we spent that time with them like an hour or so we did leave the room and I think that that even was something that I'm really grateful for because I don't think all hospitals can accommodate that. I think sometimes you have to stay in the same room the whole night or the whole day and that's kind of hard because like yes you want to have something with them but you're also ready to like have your own family and move on and and for her, she was ready to go back to her family and move on. Yeah. So, and yeah. she actually left that same day, which I was like, I guess that's true because they keep you for the baby. They want to monitor the baby. So she right. was like perfectly healthy and ready to go home. And she's like, please don't make me stay there. Like like, it's, like yeah, she, yeah. it's like a drive through. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, drive just, in, birth the like, baby, drive I just on out. Please like have the baby and go home because <laughs> I want to see my own kids. Yeah. Um, and I got that. Like she just, she said like she was so grateful she could do it. And like yeah. she, said that watching us walk away just made her incredibly happy she's actually doing another journey now because she yeah do you keep healing. in
0: contact with her like yeah for guys yeah so
1: yeah. yeah so we like um she recently moved so I'm not I don't know when I'm going to be able to actually see her in person but like yeah. she um yeah like we've kept in contact we text pretty regularly and just kind of check in with each other yeah. um and now it's like fun hearing about like how her second journey's going and like um just different things you know yeah. and so um and I don't think that's common. like I don't know if that's the case <laughs> for everybody I don't know if everybody wants <laughs> Probably to not. it yeah <laughs> but I think also like for us we also kind of have the respect of like, we want to be able to have a relationship, but she's not like, oh, I need to be able to see him. Like, you know, she's met yeah. him once since he was born and she totally respects that. And like, mm-hmm. she also is leaving it up to us. Like when we explain it to him or like all of that, cause he's so little, like it's hard to like, we're, he couldn't possibly understand now. Um, mm-hmm. But like, I like, he'll eventually know that like we, someone else helped us, you know, bring him into the world. Yeah. But I also think that, a lot of people are worried about those types of conversations. And for me, I think like, it's only, it's positive. Like it's he so wouldn't positive. be here without her. Yeah. Yeah. We wanted him so badly that we had to have someone else help us in a way that's very intimate yeah. and we wouldn't have had him without her. So I think all of that's like, and he's also, you know, still like, he's still our child. He's still hundred yeah. percent related to his brother. Like, and I I don't think that always matters. Like People can have families in totally different ways, yeah. but for our personal family, like they were our embryos, they were our yeah. genetic kids, you know, they are our genetic yeah. kids. So I think that it's just depending on your situation, the conversations are different. Um, but I think, you know, we've just had a good relationship and I think that we both respect each other's families though. And we're not like, she's not like pushing anything on me or whatever. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, yeah, so then that's yeah. kind of how that, that wrapped up with them. <laughs> yeah. And we went home and it was still the pandemic. So nobody saw each other. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And then you go home
0: and you have this little baby and then you have a miracle baby. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was unbelievable. Uh, so we were- like This situation I hear so often and in my personal life, like I have two friends that this happened to. Really? Went through like IVF, could not get pregnant, um, you know, finally had children through IVF. And then shortly after. Yeah. The
1: thing I, is, had I think it's baby. really crazy. Like ever since it <laughs> happened to me, you know, there's so many people that are like, oh my God, I hear these stories happening. Yeah. And to be honest, like, I heard the stories, but I had never actually personally met anybody that it actually happened right. to. You just always right. hear the stories right. um, and I just feel incredibly lucky like i I just can't believe it happened like yeah. i i I told my husband that out of any way that we had a baby, like this is always going to be the one that is the most surprising to me that we had a baby (laughs) the old fashioned way and that it happened. And then it's like, what, how did that happen? But um, I do also just have to say that like, I feel like a lot of people since we, since I got pregnant with our last son, with our third son, um, I think a lot of people would say to me like, oh, I hear these stories all the time now. Mm -hmm. Or like, oh, you just relaxed. And that like, the relaxing thing, I'm like, that's not why it's I really, that's not helpful either. <laughs> so, and <laughs> I just, feel nice like also, I, I, always, like, I always have to say, like, when people say, like, I understand that there are definitely people that this happens for, that like there are people that have miracles after like IVF or surrogacy. Yeah. There are also a lot of people that it doesn't happen right. for or right. like people and I think that people usually only hear the positive happy miracle stories. Right. Um and I so I think it's probably more so on the other side. Yeah. And so I just always like hold a space and just like yeah. feel like I want to do a little shout out for everybody that's just like still in the waiting and still waiting for their miracle in any way. Like yeah. whether it's like, you know, no cycles, IVF, donor, whatever, adoption, foster anything. I feel like I know that there are so many people that hear these stories and then they just want that to be them. And I feel like, and I do also like, I was really nervous to share when I found out that I was pregnant with my third because I almost, it's like, obviously I was so grateful, but like I felt kind of bad because I was like, I know all these other people still going through infertility and everything. But then it's like, from what I've heard, it's more like about hope, right? right? Because there is hope that it will happen or can happen for people that are going through this and I think like you said a lot of times like even though obviously you don't hear the story so much about the people that it's not happening for I do think like there are a lot of people that it also does happen for that like they do end up with their miracle after everything and like it won't happen in all the same way and there's going to be a bunch of different like paths towards that but I really really believe that a lot of people can get, you know, the miracle that they want eventually, that it's just, I don't think it's fair, the path that people have to take to get there, Um, but I'm just always very hopeful for people that hopefully one day it it will happen, you know? Um, And so, and like for me, I just, I just feel incredibly grateful that I'm on this side of it. I just feel like it's been like so much and so hard and I'm just so, so grateful that we have like our three boys. And with that, I also have to say that like motherhood is not necessarily an easy thing to do either. No. And I think that a lot of times, and this could be a conversation on its own, but I think yeah. that a lot of times when people go through infertility or go through a really hard time to have their children or anything, or like even people who have like really hard pregnancies or like NICU stays or things like that, I think that when people go through a really hard time to have their child, they have this, there's this sense that you're not allowed to have a hard time in motherhood and that it's not allowed to be hard or you're not allowed to complain or like I have a huge problem with just saying how grateful I am all the time, which isn't a problem. But like, I always have, feel like I have to say that before I say anything else. And so- I think that like, even for me, I have to realize like sometimes it's okay to just be like, today was really hard. I don't have to say I'm grateful for my children. I know I'm grateful for my children. Today was just a hard day. It's like, you know, day someone hit me and kicked me and screamed in my face and it wasn't wasn't really (laughs) not great and I I
0: hear that from a lot of like IVF moms yeah you know who have like experienced infertility get finally have their children right after waiting and like the same kind of narrative of I feel like I can't have bad days I can't
1: I feel like like my children sometimes. Right. I feel like it's this weight of like one, it took you a long time to get to your child or children. So you feel like you're not allowed to have any negative feelings towards them or towards parenting. But two, you probably also know a lot of other people that are still waiting for their kids. So then you feel like, well, they don't even have them yet. So then I can't complain because I do have mine. And that's just not how anybody really feels. But like, and if like good, you know, people are still supportive and they still are understanding that parenthood is hard. But I think it's just sometimes hard when you're parenting after loss or after infertility or after anything. And like you said, even parenting through loss or through grief you just have these like conflicting feelings where you just constantly feel like you're not allowed to complain or you're not allowed to have a hard day. And then that can actually make it worse. (laughs) Like you feel even worse then. So then you're like bottling it all up and you're like, oh I can't even talk about it. And so (laughs) I feel like that's where like I aim like to also be open and honest about hard days and like that Mm -hmm. it's not always easy. And like some days are really hard and like some days are obviously Yeah. And like some days are really wonderful. But it's like when people tell you, even in hindsight, like when they have much older children or grown children that are out of the house and they're like, oh, just enjoy it. They're never gonna be this small. And you're like, yeah, but could you just remember what it feels like for just a second? Because no way. I like try and preach
0: like is- the opposite, right? Like yeah. <laughs> on like my Instagram page, like I just created something that um we took a beach vacation for spring break yeah. and it was like the first time in five years that me and my husband were able to sit and drink our coffee on the beach. Yeah. And everybody was playing independently. Yeah. You know, cause we had like these three babies back to back. And so it's just yeah. like busy and you're in the trenches and it's nap mm-hmm. times and it's feedings and it's holding and yep. redirecting and you're like, <laughs> That's oh my right, my right, <laughs> Right. And I'm like, that time is so hard and like physically exhausting there is a light on the other side. Like yeah. you do come out and like being able to just like sit on the beach and watch all of them playing and drinking our coffee. Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh, we're here. Like, yeah. The light, right. Yeah. Like It's getting a little bit easier. I actually and, did and, like, see those that. Little, yeah. And like those little years are so precious. And like, I, yeah. I'm grieving like the closing of that chapter. Cause I love the baby phase and like that. We're not going to bring home any more new babies, yeah. you know, but like, I think that there's space for both yeah, to be, like, so grateful that you're out of it. Yeah. <laughs> so hard. Well, even and, like, like yeah. oh, it was so precious and cute. And there was, like, yeah. all these magical moments there, right? But, like, oh, once you get to the other side. Yeah. Yeah. I think,
1: like, my husband and I talk I breathe about breathe a little alcohol. more. <laughs> Yeah, I talk about this a lot with my husband because I feel like we are in the trenches of the tiny babies right yeah, now, it is hard. and watching our five-year-old, we're like, "Oh, it does get a little easier." Like, and not, it's not nice to have of, that like framework. To yeah, make, and that perspective. Like not, and like not, you know. Obviously, there's different parts that are hard. Like, he has emotionally more complex feelings now, mm-hmm. and like, there's mm-hmm. different things that we're working through with him, like of different things are all new and it's like there's different things but physically like right now the fact that he can just go play on his own when he wants like i went to a birthday party just with my five-year-old last weekend and my husband stayed with our little ones and then he had another birthday party so we switched um But i was like wow this is like i i was there i got like hung hung out with the moms i was just literally sitting and talking to the parents and he was like in the bounce house and i barely talked to him the whole time i I didn't even really know where he was it was great i was like this is like a vacation (laughs) like this is so weird and so i feel like with that it's like okay and like for my husband and i like we're looking for like you you enjoy each moment and then you look forward to more too and i feel like also i am very lucky because like because we had our third child and because i was able to carry in myself i feel very comfortable and confident in the fact that i don't want more kids like i feel like we are totally closed that chapter like we are done having children and i think that a lot of people don't get to experience that choice and i didn't know if we would be able to experience that choice and so i feel like now we can just try to enjoy the moments like yes there are hard days yes there are easier days but then also like even with watching my five-year-old now, I feel like, yes, I look back at his pictures and he was so adorable, but I don't want to go back to those days. (laughs) I'm enjoying these days now. And I feel like also just trying to enjoy where they are right now is just kind of nice too, because then we're like, okay, there's even more to look forward to. Like we like to travel. Before we had kids, we used to travel a lot and we're like, I would love to be able to take them other places. Can't right now, but like when all of them in a couple years like start to get older, yeah, um, we're actually taking our first trip in a little bit to um Hawaii with my family. Yeah. Um, but we're flying as a family of five by ourselves like we're meeting my family there. and my <laughs> You will like, survive it. My husband's like, I'm so anxious about this. <laughs> and I was like, it's, it's okay. Temporary. I have my lists. I'm It's making- temporary. <laughs> nope. It's like I have my wits. I'm making my little bags for them yeah. to do things on the plane. Well, yeah. I'm like, we know like- the littlest one will probably sleep more because he's only four months old. Like right. He'll only be like five or six months old. Yeah, The five-year-old can watch TV as long as he wants on a plane right. and he's okay with that. Right. And then it's more like the middle one. Like that 18-month is like very hard, hard on the That's travel. Hard yeah. um, but it's like, you know, right now we're limiting stuff like that just because it's harder to do, but we're still yeah. doing some of it. Yeah. But then it's like, you know, I feel like we're just trying to enjoy the moment, but then we also know that there's different things to come. And I love how you talk about it. Cause like when you're saying, you know, there is a light, like, I don't know. I just, I really enjoyed that post because, and I'm glad you just explained it a little bit more here again, because I feel like you're not telling people, oh, you need to go back and enjoy the good old days or like, oh, you need to enjoy the baby so cuddles. You're like, it's okay. You'll get through it. <laughs> and I feel like that's just so much more realistic. Like that's how you feel yeah. when you're going through the baby phase. You don't, want people to tell you to enjoy it you're just like Mm. okay you will survive this and you will come out on the other side (laughs) but I also there's some hard parts too so some
0: days you're just like googling can I die from sleep deprivation like (laughs) I haven't slept in three years I'm really really tired and (laughs) I don't feel like myself right now and you know and like those feelings are so so normal and yeah, and I you think get also, to a place of those things kind of start returning. Yeah, you do sleep again. Yeah, it will be you again.
1: You know. Yeah, and I think those with that, like, back. I think that that feeling of not feeling like yourself. Like, I had a really hard time with that yeah. after going through infertility too, because mm-hmm. I felt like my body hadn't been my own. I felt like I was totally mm-hmm. fixated on other things for so long that I hadn't really yeah. given myself a chance to just be. My own individual self. Like I was just so focused on having another child or like going yeah. through all of this. But then when you do have the baby, you're still not your body's still not your own, <laughs> and you're still not going to have your own time. Right. And right. I feel like that's kind of really surprising after you've gone through it because you put all this pressure on yourself. Like, well, when the baby's finally here, I'm just going to be happy and I'm just going to be like, feel like everything has gone away and I'm just going to feel like whatever. And yes, you are relieved because you finally have that baby, but it's also like a lot to process and a lot to go through. And I feel like- And you still
0: have this new baby and it's really hard.
1: Yeah. And like, and I mean, for me, like I have, I'm still dealing with like physical issues of giving birth again. And like my body still isn't my own and it's driving me completely crazy because I would just like to feel like myself and- and I mean, I know he's only like four months old, so that's normal, but it's yeah. just like I'm just ready to like feel like myself and just, and I do feel much more myself. I personally think the first three months of having a baby is just the hardest. Months. I think for me, it's longer. Yeah. And I mean, I think maybe the first year. Yeah. Um, I think the first year. The like first there's three just months so for many the different things that happen me. there. Yeah. The first year, I would say, yeah, the first year is probably the hardest, and then even maybe the first two, but um, because my second one's just walking and he's 17 months old and he still needs me a lot. Um, But I feel like the first year especially, it's like you're feeding them all the time, whether you Mm -hmm. bottle feed or breastfeed or whatever you do, they still need food all the time. Mm -hmm. And for a long time, it's just kind of whenever they're hungry. And there's not really like set nap schedules for a long time or set, you know, it's just, yeah, there's definitely just different stages or different hearts in different ways. But I think that especially for people coming off of infertility and loss, it's like, got to give yourself a little bit of grace with understanding that it's going to yeah. be a little hard and it's okay to like need help and yeah. not find it like perfect right away always, you know.
0: <laughs> we just got to be gentle with the mommy, yeah. you know, just be gentle yeah. with you. Alex, thank you so much for sharing your story with me today and being so vulnerable. Um, Just like so much of your journey is so connecting. And I'm sure there are lots of mamas that are going to be listening that will find peace and comfort in your words. But you share more of your journey over on your social media and your blog. Mm -hmm. Tell my listeners where they can find you.
1: Yeah, well thank you Abby so much for having me on here. I really appreciate it. I love talking yeah. to you and talking more about it. Yeah. Um my Instagram handle is ourbeautifulsurprise.
0: Yeah.
1: Um and then my website's the same ourbeautifulsurprise.com. Yeah. Um and I just I, my main place I talk about it is Instagram. Yeah. And I love connecting with people on there. I love like getting GMs if I don't respond all the time you can email me um sometimes (laughs) things get buried in there yeah (laughs) yeah. and then my email is on my Instagram page as well um but I would love to connect with people more there um -hmm. and I just really appreciate you having me on here and just having this open conversation it was really wonderful thank you yeah
0: thank you Alex and cheers to your beautiful surprise thank you